go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live the life I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. May we, not just this Sunday, but every Sunday of this year, say that with the Apostle Paul, that we're crucified, that our life is of nothing, of no account to ourselves, if only we may finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given us, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. May you crucify us, Lord, in such a way that we die to ourselves, we die to the things that charm us most, to the vain things that we boast in in this world. May we be crucified to those things, and Lord, may we, may we say, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us in this way. You laid down your life for us. You gave yourself fully and wholeheartedly that we might have life abundant and everlasting. And so, Lord, on this very first Sunday of 2024, we ask you to speak to us from your word, to open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things in your word. And if we ask you that on this very first Sunday, we pray for this entire year. God, we pray all 52 Sundays that we gather right here in this room. Would you meet us in a powerful way? Would you open your word to us? Would you speak to us in ways that changes us, in ways that molds us, in ways that delight our heart in you? Would you let us be like that man who planted his life by the streams of living water? Would you let us flourish and grow and prosper in all the ways that you've called us to by the power and by the truth of your word? Lord, sanctify us by your truth this year. Your word is truth. And start this morning, start right now in our hearts. I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for what your plans and purposes are for us. God, help us to be humble Help us to commit ourselves fully to you. Help us to put our lives on the altar as living sacrifices each and every day and moment of this year. Teach us how to live pleasing to you. Teach us how to renew our minds and be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Teach us, Lord, how to let our love be genuine. Teach us how to honor those to whom honor is due. Teach us how to welcome one another as we have been welcomed in Christ. Teach us, Lord, to obey You by the power of Your precious mercies. Lord, I need You. I confess my great dependence upon You. Help me. Enable me. And I pray You'd speak to us now in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, happy first Sunday of 2024. I can't believe it's already 2024, and here we are seven days in. I pray that this year would be full of God's grace, would be full of God's mercy for you, and I know it will be, because Psalm 23 promises that goodness and mercy will pursue us all the days of our lives, and that includes every day of 2024. Well, as you know, the beginning of a new year 
is the time that many people make New Year's resolutions. Resolutions resolve to do or be better in some specific ways. The most popular New Year's resolutions, I'm told, are losing weight or getting fit, which is why the gyms are packed in January, eating healthier, paying off debt, being more generous, reading through the Bible, etc., etc. All of these are good things, and I think we should make resolutions throughout our lives. Whenever we see ways that we can improve, we should resolve to do it. The unexamined, unadjusted life is the wasted life. However, as you know, most people do not keep their New Year's resolutions. One study I saw this week said only 9% of resolutions are kept. I thought about asking for a raise of hands for those of you who've already broken a resolution seven days in, but I'll spare us that guilt. Life happens, we get busy, we forget, we fall into the same patterns, and we break those resolves that we made to do and be better. And this failure often causes us to live with a certain amount of shame and guilt. And it's why many people have just given up on making resolutions in the first place, right? Why make resolutions that you know you're just going to break? Why make resolutions when you know you're just going to break them? That may be your attitude this morning. Well, this morning, on the first Sunday of 2024, I am not primarily interested in helping us make or keep New Year's resolutions. But I am interested in building a framework of grace-motivated obedience to God that actually will motivate and empower us to do what God says. That's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in you actually and me actually doing what God calls us to do by His grace to obey Him. And so I want to continue our study of the book of Romans, the greatest letter ever written, and begin our look at this second part of the book of Romans, Romans 12-16, through on this first Sunday of 2024, but I want to do it in a somewhat different way. Instead of starting with a full exposition of these first few verses of Romans 12, what I want to do is just stand us firmly in the middle of the book of Romans. I want us to highlight this transition between Romans 1 through 11 and 12 through 16. My goal is to help us most benefit from the next four or five months of sermons in Romans 12 through 16 by highlighting this transition between these two parts. So my plan is to come back right here next Sunday, God willing, and do a more thorough exposition of Romans 12, 1 through 2. And so if I don't hit on what you want me to hit on in these first few verses, know that I'm coming right back here and I'm just going to start in on verse 1 again next Sunday. But this morning, I want to make some connections and I want to build a framework by focusing on just one phrase in Romans 12, 1. The phrase by the mercies of God. So look with me at Romans 12.1. Romans 12.1 says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies 
as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Notice that there's a very specific command in this verse. Paul calls us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. The verb to present implies not just a one-time commitment, not just a one-time devoting of one's life to God, but it connotes a, a continual presenting of ourselves. This is a continual call to regularly present, to regularly sacrifice yourself on the altar. Every day, every moment of our lives, we worship God by offering our whole selves to Him as a sacrifice, holding nothing back. That's the call of Romans 12.1. Now, what someone could do is someone could come to this verse and read it and make a resolution to obey that in 2024, right? In 2024, I'm going to offer my whole self to God. Everything I have, everything I have, every single day of 2024, that's what I'm going to do. And obviously, that would be a biblical resolution. I could stand up here this morning and I could preach an entire sermon urging you to do this. Paul says, offer your whole self to God. Let's do that in 2024. But if we're honest, we know that we will all fall way short of that this year. Indeed, today, we will not obey that command fully. No matter how much we resolve right now. Like, you could want that more than you've ever wanted anything in your whole life. However, you know you don't have it in you to do that fully. And so should we all just leave today discouraged by our lack of motivation, by our lack of power to obey God? Should we just throw up our hands and give up? Friends, I'm zealous that you get this connection deep in your soul. Paul doesn't just give us commands and resolutions in this second half of the book of Romans. Paul doesn't just give us commands in chapters 12 through 16. He also gives us the motivation and the power to obey God's commands. Notice, not only does Paul say, therefore, in verse 1, which connects this whole second half with the doctrine of chapters 1 through 11, that therefore connects all of what he's about to say with all of what he just said. Not only does Paul start with therefore and make this connection, but notice the massively important phrase by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. How do we present ourselves? as sacrifices to God? How do we do that? We do it by or through or because of or founded on the mercies of God. I think this phrase, the mercies of God, is Paul's phrase to remind us of the deep theological truths of our salvation that he has hammered home in chapters 1-11. through 11. In other words, there is a vital connection between our theology and our obedience. God's mercy is both the motivation to obey and God's mercy empowers us to obey. And so you've got to get this connection. 
there is a huge difference between command A, offer your whole self to God, and command B, which we find here in the text, by the mercies of God, offer your whole self to God. The difference between those two commands could not be more important for us to grasp, for us to get. Listen, this would be the worst sermon ever preached if I stood here and said, you can do it. Offer your whole self perfectly to God in 2024. Just do it. Ready, set, go. That would be terrible. That would be not good news that refreshes the soul. That would be law that crushes us. And so what I'm saying to you, indeed, what Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying to us is this. Look at the breathtaking mercy of God to you in Jesus, and in light of that, offer your whole self to God as worship. Be motivated, be empowered by what God has done to save you in Jesus. How He has treated you better than you deserve, which is what mercy means. In those mercies, in light of those mercies, by the power of those mercy, mercies, offer everything you have and everything you are to God as your reasonable worship. I believe that when we embrace this phrase, by the mercies of God, offering our whole selves to God will be seen as the only reasonable response. What else would we do? with our life in light of the awesome mercies of God. We sang it in that beloved hymn, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. You see, when we are captivated by the mercies of God, we respond by presenting ourselves to God as worship. Let me put it this way. The glorious Gospel of Jesus Christ this is my summary of chapters 1-11. through 11. The glorious Gospel of Jesus Christ lays claim on every part of our lives. The glorious Gospel lays claim on every part of your and my life. God's mercies to us in Jesus result in our total surrender of who we are to lay ourselves on the altar to say, I and every part of me am yours, O God. See, gospel doctrine fuels gospel obedience to God. The good news of Jesus makes this all-encompassing command to offer ourselves not a burden, but a delight. And understanding this, I think, will help us read and apply all of Romans 12-16 through correctly. So I'm sort of hanging this as the banner over these next four or five months as we make our way through Romans 12 through 16. And friends, we're going we're gonna to face, I counted them, almost 60 commands in Romans 12 through 16 over these next few months. And listen, please listen, none of them can we obey without by the mercies of God. None of them can we obey apart from, disconnected from, the mercies of our God. And so, let me take a few minutes on this first Sunday of the new year to remind us of some of the specific mercies of our God. And then, by those mercies, let me urge us, let me appeal to us to offer every part of ourselves to God. 
I think this is part of the point of Paul using the plural mercies instead of just the mercy of God. I think mercies, plural, implies numerous specific ways we have been treated far better than we deserve. And listen, there will literally be millions of mercies from God to us in 2024. But let me highlight just three of God's mercies based on what Paul has taught us in Romans 1-11. through And I pray these are three specific mercies that we constantly remember this year. If you fill your mind with anything this year, let it be these mercies from God. Number one, God's mercies to us this year includes justification by faith. God's mercies to us this year includes justification by faith. Now, justification by faith has been one of the major truths emphasized in the first part of the book of Romans. The reformers called this the article upon which the church stands or falls. In fact, turn back with me to the key passage on justification in Romans chapter 3. Romans 3, verses 21 through 26. Let's remind ourselves because it was, it was a while ago that we studied this together. But here's... Here's Paul after he's just described the wrath of God against our unrighteousness. He's just said none is righteous, not even one. And then he says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Verse 24 is the key verse on justification. We are justified, Paul says, by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So justification is the act of God whereby He declares sinners to be right in His sight. He declares the unrighteous to be righteous in His sight. In justifying us, God declares us who are guilty to be not guilty because of the work of Jesus. By justifying us, God imputes the righteousness of Jesus to our account so that He sees us as righteous and accepts us as if we are as righteous as Jesus. There is no work or works you can do to justify yourself. That's the key phrase. By His grace, as a gift. Meaning there's nothing you can do. There's nothing about you that can earn this justification. You can't conjure up enough faith on your own. Baptism won't save you. Taking the Lord's Supper won't save you. A lifetime of church attendance and serving won't save you. Only in Jesus can you be justified. Now, if we are Christians, justification is a past act for us. Right? God justified us past tense when we trusted in Jesus. And so why am I saying that God's mercies to us this year include justification by faith? 
Well, because our justification before God is an ongoing state. In Christ, we are currently righteous in God's sight. This means I don't have to wonder how God sees me or how God feels about me. I don't have to wonder. God promised, God's promises for me don't depend on what kind of mood God is in. God's acceptance of me does not ebb and flow based on my performance for Him. I am fully justified on this first Sunday of 2024, and I will be no more or less justified on the last Sunday of 2024. Even if I break every New Year's resolution I could possibly make. This is a sweet mercy from God that is the motivation and the power to offer ourselves totally and wholeheartedly to God. When our feet are firmly planted in our righteousness before God, won for us by Jesus, the only reasonable response is to devote everything to God as worship. We have this. This year, today, we have justification by faith in Jesus alone. God sees you as righteous as Jesus is. This is a sweet mercy of God. Secondly, God's mercies to us this year includes resurrection life. God's mercies to us this year includes resurrection life. So in Romans 5 and 6, Paul labors the point that all humans deserve death because of Adam's sin and and our own trespass. Not just physical death we deserve, but spiritual death we have. That is separation from God and eternal damnation. Paul would say the wages of sin is death. However, Paul says there's a second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he came to bring life. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 18. He says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And from that truth, Paul argues in chapter 6 that if we are in Jesus, if we are united to Jesus by faith, we have died to our sins in Jesus' death. And here's the amazing truth. We have been raised with Jesus in Jesus' resurrection. If we've been united to Jesus in His death, we will also be raised like Jesus in His resurrection. And Paul says this is why we don't give ourselves over to sin. This is why we don't offer our members to the world to our own selfishness because we are alive in Jesus now. We've been given resurrection power to help us, to fuel us, to enable us to do everything God has called us to do. To obey all of the commands of His Word. Friends, resurrection life is not just something we have experienced or we will one day experience. It is something we have right now. God has mercifully made us alive. And day by day, moment by moment, He is sustaining this life. He is providing this life so that we can be motivated and empowered to offer our whole selves to Him as worship. Friends, never say you cannot do something God has called you to do. Never say you cannot do something that God has called you to do. It is true, you and I cannot obey in our own strength. But our strength is not the only strength available to us. We have been raised with Jesus, and His life is our life. Therefore, by the mercies of God, offer yourself fully to God as a sacrifice of worship.
Number three, God's mercies to us this year includes eternal security. God's mercies to us this year includes eternal security. This is such a fantastic mercy that should motivate and empower us to offer our whole self to God. If we are in Jesus this year, all year long, we have a secure salvation. You remember Romans chapter 8? It feels like just a few weeks ago we spent eight weeks in Romans chapter 8, the great eight. Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation ever for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, crying out, Abba, Father, confirming that we are God's children. We have the unbreakable golden chain of salvation. You remember that? Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. We have the unbreakable golden chain of salvation. And Paul ends Romans 8 by saying that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If God is for us in 2024, who can successfully be against us? We have eternal security. In Jesus, nothing can snatch us from the Father's hand. He will hold us fast. And it's not just that God decided long ago to give us eternal security and that's just the way it works like the law of gravity. No, God is actively saving us. He's actively holding us moment by moment, holding us fast to Him. Each and every day, God is at work guarding and protecting the salvation that He has secured for us. Every day of 2024, every single day of this year, our sovereign God will use all of His omnipotent power to protect us and to hold us fast to Himself. When Paul calls us to offer our whole selves to God in worship, he isn't telling us that we're to do that in order to not lose our salvation. No, he's saying the only reasonable response to the eternal security we have been given is to give yourself wholly and fully to God. We are secure in Jesus. Therefore, hold no part of yourself back from God. Let no pockets of resistance remain in your life. Now, we could go on and on and continue to talk about the mercy of unconditional election. We could talk about the mercy of being grafted into the nourishing tree of God's plan for His people. We could talk about the mercy of peace with God. We could talk about the mercy of being released from the tyranny of the law and we could talk about the mercy of the promise that God says He will work all things together for the good of those who love Him. But the point is, in view of these great Gospel mercies, powered by these truths, offer everything, all of yourself, as a sacrifice of worship. All of these mercies are yours and they are there to motivate and fuel you for a life of sacrificing your whole self to God. And friends, there's no better day than the first Sunday of this new year to offer yourself freshly to God. Now there's no limit as to the areas of our lives that are included in this command to continually offer ourselves to God. The point is that nothing is withheld from God. But because that's too vague, 
let me mention five specific areas that we need to offer to God this year. Indeed, that we need to offer to God today, right now. And each of these five are going to be specifically fleshed out in Romans 12 through 16. And so I just want to touch on them as a call to us by the mercies of God. What should we offer to God? Here's at least five specifics. Number one, by the mercies of God, offer your physical body to God. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. What we do with our hands is to be offered to God. What we touch, what we type, what we text, what we hold, what we build, what we caress is to be for the worship of the one true God. Where we go with our feet is to be offered to God. What we say with our tongues is to be offered to God. What we see with our eyes and hear with our ears is to be devoted to God. The Lord created us. Our bodies are His. And Jesus has redeemed us and made our bodies a temple for the Holy Spirit. Therefore, present your entire body, every part of your physical self to the Lord continually. You are not your own, Paul would say in 1 Corinthians. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Secondly, by the mercies of God, offer your mind to God. Offer your mind to God. Devote your mind to the Lord fully. This is actually the first place Paul goes when he starts talking about how to offer our whole selves to God. In verse 2, he says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I think Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 should be a controlling verse for what we think about. It says we are to set our minds on things above where Christ is, not on things on the earth. So we're commanded to be heavenly minded. We're commanded to fill our minds with what is true and lovely and holy and honorable. By the mercies of God, offer your entire mental capacity as worship to God this year. Third, by the mercies of God, offer your time to God. Every minute of time we have is a gift from God. How are you using it? Are you maximizing it? We don't offer to God an hour or two on Sunday morning and then the rest of the week we offer to our selfishness and to the world. Every minute is to be offered to Him as our spiritual worship. By the mercies of God, devote your time to God. Fourth, by the mercies of God, offer your money to God. Offer your money to God. So in Romans 12 through 16, we're going to be challenged to be generous and open handed. In light of the generosity of God in the gospel, we are going to be called to be generous. Just as with our time, so every dollar we have is a gift from God, and every dollar is to be devoted to His purposes. Listen, we don't tip God a small amount and then use the rest on whatever we want. Every dime is to be laid on the altar as a sacrifice of worship to the One who has made us alive in Jesus. This is one of the reasons that I think the concept of the tithe is so genius. You see, giving 10% or a greater percentage off the top 
of all the increase we get is not done so that we can get that out of the way and then really enjoy the rest of it. No, the reason for the tithe off the top is because it's the concept of first fruits. It's a way to say, just as I'm giving this first portion to you, so all of it is devoted to you. You see, the first portion sets the direction for the entire portion. But you can't say everything's devoted to God if you don't give the first portion. The first portion says what the rest of it is doing. And that's why I always recommend when you do a budget, start with the tithe and generous gospel giving at the very top of your budget. We don't give leftovers to God. We give first. And that communicates that everything else underneath is fully devoted to the Lord. In view of God's mercies to us in Jesus, in response to His generosity in justifying us, in making us alive, in securing us, we devote all of our money and assets to God as our reasonable service. Listen, if you're going to offer yourself to God as worship this year, if you're going to obey Romans 12.1, the most practical way I could encourage you to begin is to tithe on all of your income before you save or invest or spend a single dime, first and foremost, give the Lord a portion of that increase. Number five, by the mercies of God, offer your relationships to God. Offer your relationships to God. The main point of Romans 12 through 16 is how the gospel impacts how we relate to each other, specifically in the context of the local church. As we have been loved by God, so we love each other fiercely. I think this is one of the reasons Paul chooses to sum up chapters 1-11 through with the phrase, by the mercies of God. It's because he's about to call us to fierce mercy in our relationships with one another. Treating people better than they deserve is one of the best ways to communicate that God is a God great in mercy. The mercy that flows from us to each other is to be rooted in the unquenchable mercy of our God. Apart from God's mercy, we will not welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. And so we don't obey Romans 12.1 by ourselves. We obey this command corporately, together. And Paul's going to get really specific as to what that looks like. And so that's all I'm going to say about that now. By the mercies of God, devote all of your relationships to God. You see, the good news of Jesus Christ lays claim on every part and every aspect of our lives. The motivation and power to obey this command is found in the amazing mercies of God to us in Jesus. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. And so friends, make resolutions. Make resolutions. Resolve to do better and be better. To be all that God has called you to be but do so motivated and empowered by the indelible mercies of God to you in Jesus. And that's why I think the Lord's Supper is a perfect response to Romans 12.1 this morning. Because in the Lord's Supper, we offer ourselves to God in worship in view of His mercies. We're going to invite the music team to come on up, the deacons who are going to be passing out the elements, go ahead and come on up while we continue to examine ourselves. You see, the Lord's Supper reminds us of the precious mercies of God to us through the cross of Jesus. 
In Jesus, we have forgiveness for all the times we've offered ourselves to something or someone else other than God. In Jesus, we have cleansing from how we have conformed ourselves to this world. And so we remember the mercies of God and we respond by presenting ourselves as sacrifices to God. So listen, if you're not following Jesus, if you're not committed to a gospel-preaching church, this ordinance is not for you. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul would say that we should not partake of the body and the blood of the Lord in an unworthy manner. If that's you, if you don't trust in Jesus, simply pass the elements to the next person and use this time to pray and ask God to open your eyes. But if you are trusting in Jesus, if you're offering your whole self to God by His mercies, then we invite you to proclaim your faith in Jesus by partaking of the bread and the cup. As these elements are being passed out now, utilize this time to examine yourself and freshly offer yourself fully to our merciful God.